Yeah. We, we need to just understand that, like, um, there are, like, this is happening, and right now this is in the news. This is happening in other places all across the world, and it has been for decades, right? So as we pray for our brothers and sisters, as we pray specifically for Henry and Victoria and Eugene and his son, like, the song that we sang today is not just a song. There are people that are losing their life. And some are losing their life because of a, a cause of, of war, but some of them are being put in a place. Our friends in Myanmar are being put in a place where uh, you know, their sons and daughters are being pulled into the army at, at, at gunpoint. Um, and they're praying for boldness, and they're seeing people who they've shared the gospel with for years and years and years and have never been open over this last year. Just in one little village where one children's home's at, there's a rows of people standing at the front of the church, 35, 40 people who've been saved and baptized this last year who were, who were Muslims and who were people who did not know Jesus and they've come to Jesus. And like, as we pray for Henry and Victoria, as we pray for soldiers to hear the gospel, I mean, your family, somehow, whether you were the first person who heard the gospel in your family, but somehow the gospel got to your family. Can we pray right now? This would be a time when many, many families who do not know Jesus would hear and receive the gospel. Would we pray for prodigals? who would, would come back in this time. So God, we pray right now for these people that mom has named specifically for, for Henry and Victoria. Thank you for the salvation of Victoria's mother. Thank you for that. God, we also pray for Eugene and his son. And God, we pray for so many others. God, we, we recognize, God, that we have been so blessed to live in a place where this is not our constant reality. But God, and we read the book of Hebrews, we read about... All throughout church history, there have been people who have given their life. People who were sawn in two. People who were, were, were hung. And, and God, it is not our life just to, or our desire just to run out and, and lose our life just because that seems like the thing, end thing to do. But we recognize the call in Scripture. And God, we ask that we would have a clear understanding of the words to live is Christ, to die is gain. We ask that you would give us a clearer picture of what it means for us to understand what it means to find our lives by, we, by losing it. And God, we ask that that would reality, as we pray for our brothers and sisters, we ask that would reality would grow in our hearts. That not just in the decision that may end up in, in losing our physical life, but learning how to lay down our lives every day. And sometimes, God, I think it's more, it's, it's easier for me in those epic moments to think, yeah, I hope I would do it, and then be selfish in the moment of how I spend the, the time that I have today. So, God, I just ask that you would just teach us to be followers of the way of Jesus, that no one takes his life, but he, he learned how to lay it down. God, that we today, as we take time to pray, we lay down our lives. We worship our way into your truth. Um, whoa, this is loud. Uh, I have a friend, so let's think. Many of you guys know I worked for a missions organization in Boston, and the director of that organization is a guy named Jeremy Tunney. His brother, Doug, is um, a missionary in a nation <laughs> that I can't name. Uh, but it's predominantly Muslim nations. It's legal to be a Christian there. They had to leave long, complicated events. They had to leave that nation and flee to Russia. Terrible timing. Um, flee to Russia. And then 
I just got a text right now. Today they're they're like fleeing Russia to go back to that nation, and um, they either get admitted or or turned away. And they have over the past like five years, they built this like pretty large ministry, large in the context of like a nation that's totally unreached. And they've had like they've seen like first fruits of salvation. So them being turned away would be like a permanent turning away. Um, so we got to pray that they don't get turned away. Um, his wife, Amanda. Yeah. Yep. good would you be willing to pray for us in just a minute because i want to i want to say something because i want to i want to make sure i intentionally say this i think it's easy to get as we're looking and reading i think that it's there's a really important thing of being aware and praying but what i would really encourage us to do is make sure we're not spending more time and energy checking out the news and checking out the thoughts about what's happening than we are praying right like we don't want our hopes to rest in the wrong thing the hopes of ukraine ultimately do not rest in what Vladimir Putin says. I think it's good for us to pray for Vladimir Putin, but ultimately, Putin could decide to undo everything. He could stop what he's doing and commit to rebuild everything. I'll know the lives would still, that are lost would still be lost, right? But, but Putin could turn around completely, and without Jesus, Ukraine still has no hope. Without Jesus, the United States has no hope. Without Jesus, my next door neighbor has no hope. So it's good for us to read and to, to, to be looking and praying, but can we just ask God to grow our commitment to come to him? This is an opportunity for us to come in prayer. What, what Abigail is saying, I believe. I believe this is a time of harvest. I believe this is a time of shaking. Uh, and I believe that we can have, like the, those of us in this room, together with those in many other rooms, in living rooms and, and cathedrals, we can join together with the hearts of others who are praying, and we can see a harvest right now. We're going to pray some, for some specific things in a second, but I think it's important for us. It just can be real easy right now to get drawn in and get sucked up. And forget where our hope is at, and forget that we actually have been invited to participate in that hope. Yeah. Um, so Doug and Amanda, just so you guys know, they have they have three kids. Um, they're from Pittsburgh, actually. They used to be the the directors of YWAM Pittsburgh. Um, and I'll never forget when Doug left. We asked him why he was like moving to the Middle East, and he was like, "Well, I've spent my years training missionaries, and we talk about like selling everything and." giving it all for Jesus. We just talked about it all the time. One day I just got so tired of talking about it, I just like had to go. And he sold everything, took his wife and three kids <laughs> and moved to the Middle East. Um, and yeah, so they're just like, 
I don't know, they're like living, living the cost right now. So yeah, let's just pray for them. Father, we thank you for Doug and Amanda and the Tony family. Um, we just thank you for, Lord, just the, yeah, Lord, the way they've laid down their lives for the gospel, the way they've counted the cost. Lord, we pray that. Lord, we just say you're worth it. And we, we ask that even as we pray for their lives, that our hearts would just be filled with, uh, they'd be challenged and, and filled with uh, a reverence for your name and for what you're worth to give it up for the nations. And so, Lord, Lord, with the situation for them going back to their, to the nation they live in, fleeing from Russia, Lord, we just ask for, yeah, Lord, once again, courage. We ask for boldness. We ask for open doors for the gospel even to come out of this situation that looks pretty bleak. And Lord, we ask for just, yeah, supernatural favor at the borders, um, that they would be let back into the nation, Lord, that the ministry that they had started, the connections, relationships, Lord, that those would just blossom and flourish and that there would be, yeah, Lord, uh, an increase in multiplication and that they would have, yeah, just... Lord, make a supernatural way for them to get back into that nation. I just pray favor with all the, the government, the politicians, Lord, with um, Lord, with all the border patrol, everything like that, Lord, that there would just be an open door, and ultimately an open door for the gospel to get into that nation and to get um, into the most, yeah, one of the most unreached nations on earth. And so, thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, go back to John. He's the keeper of the mic. We'll see what we get to do with it. So, guys, it is, uh, it's like, it's like 1210 right now. Um, what I would like to do, if you, if you need to, to go, I just want to say, we bless you. We're not going to judge you for very long. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to judge you. Uh, I do want to read this scripture, and I, I felt like last night, um, actually all week, I was thinking about stuff that Luke and I talked about in um, Seattle when he was out there, and we've had a couple conversations since then. And as things have been unfolding, you know, a, a lot of what we have talked about this year is centered in on prayer. And um, I can't wait to hear more about what, what happened specifically last week, what God was speaking. Um, but one of the things I got convicted about was Luke and I were having some conversations about some things that he had never heard that are pretty foundational to our community. So I'd like for us to read a few verses in Acts 11 and a few verses in Acts chapter 13. And then I think this morning will just be to be like, we will just take, or this afternoon, we'll just take a few minutes to kind of like reinitiate those conversations. And my prayer would be that over the next several weeks, that we can begin to just um, touch on these things and come back because we're not leaving prayer. Um, but I think there's a place that God has taken us to where we see how these things of, of prayer and the mission of the good news of Jesus spreading are so um, twisted together. So, <clears throat> before we read in Acts 11, does anybody remember what happens, or you want to look back and see what happened in Acts 10? It's pretty relevant to what we're going to read here in just a moment. Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, and God moves on Peter's life. Peter is described, um, there's a vision that he had, and he's, he's described in being something like a trance, and he hears this call, and does anybody can, like, tell me, what was the call that Peter, Peter heard? He heard a call from, from, huh? Eat me, and what was it that, that that led him to? Going to the Gentiles. 
going to the Gentiles. And there's this place where the gospel begins to cross cultures. And we don't are going to go in all through that. But what happened, there's a lot of significant things in the story that I would really encourage you to take some time, go back and read Acts chapter 10, 11, 12, 13 this week. Go back and just do it. And then when you do it, text me and say, hey, I just did that. And tell me what it is you, you find out about it. Acts 10, Acts 11, Acts 12, Acts 13. Because in this place, there's this move of God that takes Peter away from his original plan, away from his original understanding of what was going to happen, and moves him to go to Cornelius' house. When he got to Cornelius' of Cornelius's house, Cornelius would be a good representative of what Jesus speaks about in Luke 10 as a person of peace. Everybody say, person of peace. Person of peace. And in this person of peace's house, there was a already a household assembled. There were people who had not heard the gospel, but they believed that God was going to send them a message. I believe that we are very close in this day, in this age, in this little town to finding whole groups of people that are ready to come to Jesus. When we were in Seattle, we got a chance to reconnect with uh, our friends Nathan and Abby. Some of you met Nathan and Abby in August at our house. They had met Michael and Hannah and Mike and Sierra at a wedding. And they showed up for our brunch the next morning. And they had just a little tiny baby. And they were moving to Seattle to become church planners in West Seattle. And so in West Seattle, there is uh, Nathan, or, yeah, Nathan and, and uh, Abby and their little daughter, or Eden. And there's also Seth and Morgan as the other couple that moved with them. And they're getting to have a baby. And there is another couple that used to be, uh, she used to be one of the worship leaders at Mars Hill. And she got so mad at God and so mad at the church that she completely left. But she's met these two couples. And now she's joined, she and her husband have now joined the little simple church. And they're like, God, lead us to people. And God is giving them connections with pastors that are blessing them with this vision of like doing this organic house church and finding people. And then I'm sharing this story with a new friend named Millie. And she said, I can't believe this. There's a whole bunch of girls who've been coming to Jesus and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in West Seattle, and they have no idea where to go. There's households that are ready to hear the gospel. There are people that are ready, if we'll hear the call, to come. For it may be like what Doug and Amanda did. It may be like we got to stop talking about it and we got to sell everything and go. And you know what? I would love it if we saw that happening, but I want to call us all to be willing to go across the street and talk to our neighbors, to be willing to know the people who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Like we need to know the people around us that need to hear the gospel because what we see happening in Acts 11 as we read these scriptures, I believe is connected to the day that we live in now. It is timeless, it is true, but I believe the Holy Spirit is breathing on this. I believe amongst his people and his body, but I believe specifically for us, this passage is the main biblical text when we were praying about starting a church in Grove City for the purpose of discipling, equipping, and releasing. This is the passage God brought us to. So would Luke, would you be willing to read, uh, starting in verse 19, down to the end of 11? So I'll stop talking. Thank you. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, 
Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentile believed, Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Um, this passage in, in 13. Uh, actually, read, read uh, 12.25 down through, for right now, we'll go through verse 5. Okay. Verse 5 of 13? Yeah. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menin, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Paul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Now, real quickly, turn back to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to read one more short verse, uh, a short little passage that is the prelude to this. Because there's things in Jared's heart that I'm, it is my, my hope that over the next few months you're going to begin to hear from Jared things that are in his heart about prayer and mission. There's things in Abigail's heart that, that God has been speaking and doing about prayer and about how it connects to mission. Uh, I believe there's many more that God is speaking and moving in, but... I want you to know that what happened in Antioch first happened, first comes up in this place where Peter and John get arrested. They get arrested, they get thrown in prison for healing a man who's at the gate. And they get beaten, and this is a, a, a great story, but when they leave, they go and they have a prayer meeting. Say prayer meeting. There's something that begins in prayer, and we often want the results without understanding the source. One of the things that Dick Eastman says is that to the extent that prayer is mobilized, the world will be evangelized. When we begin to give ourselves to ministering to the Lord, prayer is not just about us telling God what we want from him. Prayer, it comes in a place of us ministering to the Lord. John, again, reminded us in Life in the Grove yesterday, having conversation with him based on his word. There's so many promises in this book about what's going to happen in the nations. If What would happen if the people of God would come into alignment with the power of God's word and prayer? 
Do you think it would actually make a difference or do we kind of think, hey, whatever is going to happen is going to happen? Can we just sit on that for a second? Do we believe that when we pray, it actually impacts things? Or do we think that when we pray, we're going through some motions and the, and the master client, clock winder is up in heaven and he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. And so God, whatever you want is going to happen anyway. So here's my, here's my few words. Or do we believe that when we pray and minister to the Lord, that God actually listens and, and, and hears us and answers us? In Acts chapter 4, we're going to begin to read uh, in verse 23. This is after Peter and John are let go after they're beaten. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them. And who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand had purposed, your, your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness. Say boldness. They may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. In Acts chapter 11, in, the trans, in, in, in the, my translation, right? So in the New King James, in a lot of other translations, you're going to find similar wordings. But they prayed, God, stretch forth your hand. In Acts chapter 11, it says about those who went to Barnabas and began to preach the gospel cross-culture, that the hand of the Lord was with them. The last time we've heard about the hand of God was Acts chapter 4 in prayer. Say in prayer. There are things that we go to God for in prayer that then we get to be a part of seeing that answered. And we often talk about Acts 13 verses 3 and 4 about, and they prayed and they laid their hands on them and they sent them out and being sent out by the Holy Spirit. But that's not the first sending that takes place in this story. The first sending that took place in this story is when the church in Jerusalem heard, God's doing something with those people. Let's send someone to go check it out. Guys, that's the reason why this specific place is here. We believe that God has called us. I believe that God has called us. And when we started, there was a group of people that said, hey, we want to be a place that we're going to focus on discipleship. We're going to focus on, we're going to focus we're going, to, yeah, we're going to focus on discipleship, we're going to focus on equipping, and we're going to focus on sending. Guys, there's been a, it's been a long 11 years. There's been some really, really great highs, and there's been some really devastating lows. But I'm so thankful to follow Jesus together with you. But we are just, I think, coming into a place where Holy Spirit is breathing on the roots that he has already been establishing in people's lives. And there is a time for us to walk out what God has called us to do in prayer and in mission. What we have learned is we've learned a deeper sense of family. 
that it just can't be a hub like an airport where people come and go all the time, that it has to be a home. That was one of the first words that God spoke to us when we prayed. God convicted Gabe that it can't be a hub until it becomes a home. So we've learned this slow process of learning to love each other and bear with one another and do all those things that feel really inconvenient like in a holding up on our plan. And I had some conversations with Luke, and I don't, there's nothing specific I want you to say, but can you just talk about, just as we were talking about this passage, what did the Lord speak to you and show you? So I think, like, the main things is it challenged my, like, my independent view, like, my personal view on how, how I interpret, like, what God is speaking to me or, like, what I want to do with my life, because, um, just like up until this point in my life, I think about all the things I want to accomplish, like all my goals, all the desires God has in my heart. And it's just like, all right, how do I make this happen? Like Ben is also my older brother and a mentor to me. And he's like a make it happen kind of person. And I'm like, what, what do I need to do to just like crush this and just do this? Um, and I see like in Acts, like in studying the early church, that it's not, I'm trying to think of how I want to articulate this. So it's not like like accomplishing what, like if you have a word of what like God wants you to do with your life, like if you hear like, John, you're going to be a youth pastor, or like, Mike, you're going to like run this crazy business and have all this money, or like whatever it is, like God office fathers us like that and gives us these words and promises. Um, it's not like, how do I accomplish this? It's like, this this is fulfilled. Those, are, those things are fulfilled through our obedience, and it's not like something we accomplish. Um, and I think that's that's important in the sense of community. Um, and obedience, like if you look up the the definition of obedience on Google, it's literally, it means to submit to authority. Like that's, that's what obedience is. And I think that's where like the community aspect kind of comes in. Um, yeah, because like, so, so in my life, to give you a little bit more context, like in my life, I really feel called to international missions and cross-cultural ministry. Um, and God, yeah, God has put that on my heart. And, and two things. One, I kind of realized, so like this summer, I was planning for a while to go to Zambia for three months this summer. Now that may not be happening, and that's something I'm like praying about, and you can pray with me. Uh, and I realized two things. One, that um, like through reading this, I kind of realized that it's really easy for me to use that as an escape, because like there is a lot of hype for young people to just go do missions and just go for it, which is awesome. But it's kind of a red flag when I realized that like there are there are some people around me or like there are areas that I'm not totally satisfied with that I have to deal with. Like like for instance, I live with John Carruthers. John is amazing. I love him. He's my bro. But also because we live together, he frustrates me and I frustrate him. And so it's really great to think like, you know what, like, whatever, John did this, but I'm going to be leaving in two months, so, like, I don't really have to deal with that. I don't need to confront him because I'm just going to leave. Uh, and that is just, like, not a good mentality to have, and that's just using it to escape. Um, and so, yeah, God's like, this is awesome. Like, when I talk to the Lord, God's like, this is so awesome that you want to go do this. Like, that's great. Cool. Like, how do you feel about, like, dealing with conflict? How do you feel about, like, growing your, growing your heart and, like, in, in the context of community? Um, and being long-suffering with others. Um, yeah. And, and one of the things that we talked about, just to be really clear, is that we never want to be paralyzed by what we don't understand, right? Our, I think one of the prayers that Grandpa Jim prayed a lot, and it convicted me, and then he would 
he would repeat it and it would convict me. But it's worked its way in. But in kind of some of the last years of his life, he would pray this prayer. It was like this. God, make me hungrier for you today than I was yesterday. When I wake up tomorrow, give me the courage to pray it again. We have a responsibility to grow the yes in our heart. John spoke yesterday about the two on the road to Emmaus and how they talked. And then our hearts burn within us. That word, does anybody remember the pronunciation of that word? John, John Paxton, where are you? Oh, he had to go home. It's Caio. Say Caio. John said, Caio Silver, away, right? So Caio. Uh, Caio means to burn, but it means to kindle or to light. I believe Jesus is faithful to provide us with what we need, but I believe we have a responsibility in stewarding the flame in our heart for him. We can't wait. Like, like, like How irresponsible would it be for us to live our life Centered on us all week, and then some come, then come and say, God, come consume me with your fire. That feels really cheap. That's not relationship. He will provide that, that fire, but He wants our hearts to be a furnace that it gets stewarded in. He wants our hearts to be a place that we can steward and grow that flame. Come and melt us together until we're one. And so I think that in what you're saying, like we talked about the radical yes. And so when we're talking about Zambia. I'm like, bro, God's going to bless you in Zambia. And we're talking about the scripture and we're starting to ask questions. And we're starting to consider. It's like we never want to allow what we don't know to keep us from a yes. At the same time, as we come into understanding of what God's word says from in more dimensions, like we want to make room and space. And I really appreciated Luke saying, hey, I'm actually praying about this because I really just want God's best. So would it be more radical to go to Zambia? <laughs> Or is it more radical to figure out, how do I live this out here? <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I think we have to adjust our thinking of what will it cost. Does it make sense? Do you have anything else you want to say on that? I liked in, I think it's chapter 13, where Barnabas comes back to Antioch, and he sees what's going on in Antioch, and he's just like filled with joy. Like it says in New Living Translation, he's just filled with joy. And then he goes out and finds Saul. He finds his bro. He's like, dude. Come back here and look at what's going on here because this is so cool. And then they stay for an entire year. Uh, and Paul talks so much about, like, living in harmony, like being long-suffering for others. Um, yeah, so I guess, like, one of the last things is I've talked to a lot of people. Like, I've submitted, like, this situation in my life to a lot of people. And it seems like there are a lot of people in this community who have had an opportunity to, to leave and do something really exciting um, when maybe they're like kind of frustrated with AOX uh, and they've chosen to stay here. And there's just a lot of fruit from that. Like there's a lot of fruit from, from just being long suffering with the people around you and like cultivating your heart. So like God can use it in his full, uh, like down the road. I believe with all my heart that we gain authority as we go to go farther. I, I when we are faithful with what he has, or what, what he has given us, then he makes us, he gives us more. And in the, one, in the one place of that parable, he says, and I'll make you ruler over five cities. I believe that if you have something, in, please don't hear, don't stay in Grove City to stay in Grove City. If you have something in your heart for a nation or a specific place, we want, the reason why this place exists, why this, this in my heart, the thing that, the piece that I have, is I remember sitting on the stairs at my grandparents' house, reading this passage and crying out to God, God, where are the people that whenever they fast and pray and lay their hands on, 
on, on people, it means they got sent out by the Holy Spirit. I think that the value of sending is so strong in Scripture. There's patterns that we see that are opposite of the way the paradigms work today. There's patterns we see biblically that are opposite of the paradigms we see today. It is most often what Luke said. Man, there's a lot of appeal just to call young people to come in missions, and they typically will go by themselves or go by themselves into a program with other people they don't know, and no one is, is there with, like, saying, we're committed to you. We're committed to that responsibility of sending you out. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't use it. God has used it. I'm just saying that I believe there's, if we, if we look at the Gospels, and then you look at the, at, at the Acts of the Apostles, and you look at the letters that are written, you will see a pattern of God sending people out together. You really do not see times that God sent people by themselves. It's interesting, and it's worth, I think, pausing for. I would love for us to be a people that would value listening to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, praying, and being willing to give the very best we have. And where that's the very best we have to go to Grace Anglican and serve there, whether that's the very best we have to go start a, a, a church in another neighborhood, whether that's the very best we have to go to San Diego. We're going to get to hear from David and Candace. They're going to be with us on the last... Um, Sunday this month to share what God has been doing in their lives as they are in San Diego and getting ready to plant a church there. Like, man, I've had lots of hard conversations with David over the last few years, but he still feels he's like connected here and values and wants to come back and share, this is what's going on here. This is what God's doing in our life. Will you pray for us? Right? For you, like you may not be in a season where that's your next step, but I am saying, can we live in a place where we would say, God, we're going to minister to you together. And then as we're ministering to you, we're going to have our ears to your heart, and we want to have hearts that are ready to submit to your authority. Okay? I heard this, I heard this uh, thing. We're going, to, we're going to pray. Like I said, we're just, just scratching the surface of this. Right? I heard this when I was a kid. It's never less left me. See, if anybody else knows it, but mom and dad, you can't say it. Okay? The light that shines farthest should shine brightest at home. The light that shines farthest should shine brightest at home. Let's not deceive ourselves to think we'll have authority over there if we're not walking in authority here. Cody said this in 2011. The devil, devils will never bow to us in public. We're bowing to them in private. There's power in the name of Jesus, but what it means for us to walk this out in the secret place, what it means to walk us out with three or four people, what it means to walk this out in a simple church, what it means for us to learn how to walk this out together, I believe the message of Jesus will turn the world upside down again. There are nations that are already experiencing that outpouring. Does that outpouring, what does it look like? I don't know. It looks different in every nation. It looks different in an underground church in China than it does in Singapore. And it looks different in the villages of Iran and Iraq than it does in Turkey. What it would look like in Tampa will be different than what it looks like in Seattle. And who knows what God wants to do in Grove City. I would like to ask you to pray about two things. And again, I'm not asking, you don't need to report to me. I'm just saying I would love to know what's going on so I can pray with you. I'd like to invite you into a season of fasting and feasting. Could we practice a season of fasting and feasting? Would you consider 
fasting a meal a day or some time during the week. It may say, hey, I'm gonna fast morning through, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna fast on Wednesday morning through supper time, or I'm gonna fast breakfast. But would you consider a time of fasting to say, God, would you make my heart tender to what you're speaking about prayer and the mission of Jesus in this season? Would you consider doing that? And if you want to do that, I'm just, you don't, again, you don't have to tell me because I'm like the pastor. I'm just saying as your friend, if you're going to do that, I want to be able to agree with you in that. And I also I want to just invite us into a season of intentional feasting. And what I mean by that is a part of a true fast is to share meals with, with strangers. And I would, I would maybe recommend like finding some people you feel comfortable with in our community to say, hey, let's get together, have dinner. And then the second time you get together to have dinner, think about somebody who don't really know that well or someone that you want to get to know more and, and intentionally share a meal with a neighbor or with someone you don't know. And let's watch the gospel work. Let's pray for persons of peace. Let's pray for us to find Cornelius' house. Let's pray for Zacchaeus. Let's pray for Lydia. Because the gospel, guys, there are people right now, listen, there are people right now in Grove City that their life is just as hopeless as those people who are hanging out in the shelters in Kiev. And it could be easy for us to miss the authority that we can grow in in the nations by practicing the gospel here. Okay? Anybody have any questions or comments? Yeah. So we're going to just fasting and praying into God making our heart tender to what he is speaking about in this season specifically as it re relates to prayer and the mission of God. I believe these things, in common church culture, these things typically get exported. When you meet people who are typically really passionate about prayer, they feel like they have to leave the local church to find people who will be passionate to pray. And I'm not against prayer ministries. Like the, the mission agency I work for is actually a prayer ministry, Southeast Asia Prayer Center. Right? Same things happen with people who feel called to the nations. They have to, like, find a different group. And so we've exported prayer and missions from the local church. And in essence, we've neutered ourselves in culture to have any authority in culture. Because when you take prayer and mission away from the local church, all you have is the pastoral essence left. And not that we're great at loving each other well, <laughs> but that, without prayer and mission the objective of loving each other well can be turned really quickly into a click, into a comfort zone. And then the gospel gets huddled in our comfort zone. Prayer keeps our heart tender to the things that are on God's heart. Being willing to be a part of the answer to that prayer is essential for us to not live a life of complacency. Who here wants to get, live a comfortable life of complacency in following Jesus? No one, right? That's not why you're on the planet and you don't even want it. If you did, you would not be sitting here at 20 to 1, I promise. Hold on. I have a, I have a song to sing. <clears throat> I surrender some. <laughs> Come on. Anybody else? You can tell that Brad is like, like leading me in preaching whenever I start singing on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Got this thing, bro. So we're going to be hearing, listen, it is my heart. Like, man, there are people, are, God is doing things in their hearts. And we're going to be hearing from new voices, different voices, hopefully in a bunch of, there used to be a, there used to be a show, oh, it's still a show, Sports Center. Have you ever heard of this little show called Sports Center? They used to have a segment, I don't know if they still have it, it's called Sunday Conversations. 
And I would really love it if we started having Sunday conversations. Because I think if we, act, we can activate things that are in our hearts, hear from each other. John did not have a long time to speak yesterday, and he was wise enough to say, let's take time to pray. And I was so humbled in listening to the prayers in people's hearts yesterday. And John is one of, if not my favorite teacher on the planet. I've learned so much from him. But I learned yesterday how important it was to make. I mean, I already, it's already a value, but I saw it demonstrated. The activation that took place in the room as people were praying what was in their heart was so powerful that it shaped our time so clearly. All right? Let's pray. Just keep hearing the keep hearing the phrase for realsies. <laughs> for realsies and for keeps, Jesus. <laughs> Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Come set a fire inside my soul that I can't contain. And I won't control. Lord, I want more of you. Living water rain down on me. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. You're worthy of it all. You are worthy of 24-7-365. Attention and affection from my heart to yours. Come and break any paradigm in my life that would allow me to segment you to some special sacred moments and not have the leaven of your kingdom influence every breath. Thank you that you're faithful to show up even whenever I don't know how to give you everything. Thank you that you show up in the midst of my something. Thank you that whenever I'm singing I surrender all and mean I surrender some that you are not far away, that you won't relent until you have it all. We say, God, make that our prayer today. Make us cooperative to your relentless love. And I pray that right now that you would mark us, God. I pray, I, God, I plead with you that we would not just go home and just try to figure out how to get on to the next thing. But I pray that we would go home and figure out how do we walk with you every step. Saturate us, God. I pray that we would be, that we would reek of Christ, that we would be saturated in your anointing. And that as individuals and as, as family, that collectively we would just, yeah, remember the, the places where they would take the, they would take the robes of the priest in the tabernacle and they would use the robes of the priest, and they would saturate those robes in oil, and those robes would become the wicks of the candles. And I say, God, saturate us in the robes, in the priestly robes. Saturate us with your oil that we would shine as individuals as we go, and that we would shine together. God, we pray that you would cultivate fire in our heart. God, I pray that as we, we think about uh, 
and move toward just a worship and prayer time at the end of the month again. God, would you draw us deeper that when we come into this room, not only could we sing some songs with words on the screens, but we would be ready to pray bold prayers that will shake this city and shake this region and shake the nations for you. Put bold prayers in our mouths. Would you just say, God, teach me how to pray? And God, I pray as we, that next weekend, practice prayer walking and learn from Mark and the team about prayer walking. God, I pray that you would equip us not only for life here in Grove City, but the same thing that is seen, uh, you show up as people have walked and prayed and carried the ark of your presence with them into dark places all over this earth. I pray that we would be equipped to go wherever you say. Now, God, bless us in our feasting and bless us in our fasting and, and draw our hearts after you that we would run together. Be with Luke. I pray that you would give him clarity and peace about this summer and about these steps. God, we honor his humility. We honor his yes for you. God, we pray that if you have him go to Zambia, God, it would not lessen his conviction to be a part of community. God, and we pray if you keep him here, it wouldn't lessen uh, the radicalness of his yes to give his summer and all of his days to you. Show us how to love and support him wherever he's at. Now we pray, God, I just pray a blessing over your people. Those who are in the room, those who are not in the room, we speak the Lord, but bless you and keep you, that you would know that he has caused his face to shine on you through the life and death and resurrection of the lamb who was worthy, and that you would go in the grace and the fullness of a life of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, we have we have something else to do. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, Wednesday morning prayer this week. This is an announcement and a shameless plug. Uh, I have to take my bro to the airport on Wednesday morning, so Wednesday morning prayer this week will be on Thursday morning, just so everyone knows. But if you want to grow in prayer... Thursday morning. Good place to come. Oh, I was also going to say 7.30 to 9. So usually it's on Wednesdays, 7.30 to 9. But this week it'll be on Thursday, 7.30 to 9. Say like 9-ish, you know. Um, Also, if anyone like really has it in their heart to like really lead prayer at a time like that, please let me know. I usually lead worship, which is like it's, you know, more like devotional prayer. But if anybody's like, hey, I really want to, like, pray the word or pray for a specific situation, like, like the situation in Ukraine or pray for a specific nation, um, there is space to do that, and I would love that. So, And if you have in your heart to pray at a different time, if you said, hey, I can't pray at 7.30 on Wednesdays or Thursday this week, but I can pray at 6 a.m. on Tuesdays, or I can pray at Saturdays at 9 a.m., and you have something in your heart, we would love, I mean, we would love to call people to that. Again, we don't need to wait till 20 people can do it, right? If it's in your heart, we can call each other to it, right? And so I think like, man, I, I've, I remember telling Katie one time, Katie, if you will do this thing, whether anyone joins you or not, then people will join you. And so if you have something like that in your heart, we want to do that, okay? We wanna, especially as we move through the spring and into the summer, there's going to be transition in the way that we're practicing rhythms, and it's going to be really important that we don't just wait. So specifically with prayer, if you have something um, that's in your heart and you can't join for that Wednesday morning time, let us know, okay? Now.